This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. A science story, huh? It was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey everyone, welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. I'm your host, Misha Gajewski, and this week we're celebrating Father's Day with stories about dads and the relationships we have with our paternal life givers, and what they've taught us about life, ourselves, and of course, science. I'm really thankful for my relationship with my own dad. He's been a constant source of love and support and all orange outfits. I even told a story about him last year. It's on the podcast if you want to listen to it later. But I know not everyone has a great relationship with their dad or even has a dad, So if this day is hard for you and you need to skip this episode, I get it. But I hope you stick around anyway. And if I had any good dad jokes, I'd insert one here, but they're not really my style. Anyway, our first story is from Nadia Osman. It was recorded in February 2019 in Los Angeles at Lyric Hyperion. The theme that night was on trial. writer and a performer and my day job is as a copywriter and there is a reason for that because I am really bad at math and science. I failed pre-algebra, I failed algebra twice, I failed pre-calc twice, I never got the hang of physics or chemistry, I don't know much about human biology which is probably a little bit troublesome. (laughs) I'm more of a life in the arts kind of gal. My dad however is excellent at math and science. His name is Heisem, he's a Muslim immigrant from Cairo, Egypt. He has a PhD in engineering, and he spent his career dedicated to trying to figure out how to make the sound in an airplane engine less of a sound. (laughs) If you Google him, you will find that he wrote a blurb for a textbook titled Propagation in Sound in Porous Media, Semicolon, (laughs) Modeling Sound Absorption Materials. That's what we're dealing with. (laughs) So as a kid, I'm kind of a creative kid. You know, I'm like going off and playing piano and writing little short stories and notebooks and doing little plays for my stuffed animals. And my dad is the breadwinner, so he is more of an absentee, stressed out, going deaf from listening to airplane engines all day (laughs) kind of place in his life. So it's a huge surprise when he announces I'm going to be coming to your class for career day. Here's a couple reasons why that was a little worrisome for me. (laughs) The first has to do with what was going on at home. So as I just mentioned, I had this creative streak going, which my dad just simply didn't get. 
The thing that he did get was that his daughter should follow a pragmatic and sensible path towards a career in STEM. So he spent all his time trying to push me in that direction. He would do things like say, come and sit with me on the couch and we can solve math problems together. <laughs> Typical father, daughter, daughter bonding stuff, that kind of thing. Uh, if I wanted like a young adult novel, he would go out and get me a book titled Math Magic, <laughs> which is all about how to solve large sums in your head to impress people. <laughs> uh, instead of like a Barbie or something for Christmas, I got an erector set, which is basically just like little metal pieces you put together. And this one had a engine in it so that you could create a motorized car. And for my dad, that was probably a really cool toy, but I wanted a fucking doll. <laughs> I didn't really want the toy telescope. I didn't want the toy microscope. I didn't want the toy doctor set. I didn't want the guilt that came with the fact that these were just gathering dust in my closet. And I didn't want the guilt of him asking, why aren't I playing with these toys? I just wanted him to kind of take an interest the things that I took an interest in were not really related to STEM, which frustrated him to no end. So at home, there's this like ongoing battle happening. And then at school, similar but different situation. So I was in a particularly special program from grades three through six. I was part of a gifted education immersion program. So I know a lot of folks that went through gifted programs and they would say to me like, oh yeah, I like that after school thing. I'm like, no, this is with the same kids from grades three, four, five, and six. So they know and remember everything you've done, including every fuck up. They remember every little weird thing. They know why and where and when you are. And what they know about me is the well-worn narrative that I am bad at math. You know what, that's, that's a sin for smart kids. <laughs> Not only that, but I am also a weirdo because I am a creative type. Therefore, I am bullied a lot, which means it's sort of the garden variety bullying of like being pushed and shoved and picked on in that way. But it's also like weird passive aggressive nerd bullying, which amounts to like, you get back a C minus on your test and people are tutting behind you being like, you're never gonna get into Harvard with those. <laughs> Which is so lame of an insult, but devastating. Because all I want at that age is to be liked by my peers. So it's not going well over there. And now my dad is going to infiltrate this space and I have no idea what he's going to do when he's there. So I'm a little nervous, career day comes. We're in a fourth grade classroom. All the kids are in those desks with the chairs attached to it. There's art projects on the back and all the other parents are in the back. And my dad starts to do his presentation. Before he gets up to speak to the class, he starts passing out branded merch <laughs> from the company he worked for, which was Rockwell Engineering. So he hands all my classmates Rockwell pens, Rockwell pads of paper, these balloons with Rockwell stamped on them. <laughs> so this is already off to an auspicious start because I cannot for the life of me figure out why my dad raided his office <laughs> supply cabinet to bring all this shit to my classmates. 
It'll become clear later. <laughs> so then he gets up in front of the class, and he introduces himself. He says, hi, I'm Hysam. My daughter is Nadia. I'm an engineer. Now, the first thing you need to know about being an engineer is you need to be really, really good at math. Nadia's not. She's not good at math. <laughs> but you need to be really good at math if you want to be an engineer. And I can just feel all the faces of my classmates turning and looking at me, staring me down as if to say, who the fuck do you think you are? You are supposed to be in a gifted education program and your own father doesn't think you belong here? You fucking fraud. The shame, the humiliation I felt, my own dad calling me out on the thing that we all already know. It's not like it's this elephant in the room we need to talk about. It was just proof, tangible proof, that my dad was not proud of me. I just felt hot in the face as I sort of slunk down into my seat and was just like, please, please, let's just get this over with. I just want this to be over with. So then he keeps talking. And it kind of took a turn in my favor. <laughs> so he keeps going. And he says, engineering is about using math to solve everyday problems. And then he takes one of those balloons he passed out. And he said, like this. How much air do we need to fill this balloon? And that's the problem that he's trying to illustrate that we'd want to solve. Then my dad tries to blow up a balloon for like a full minute. <laughs> Have you ever seen an adult try to do something really simple in front of kids for like a full minute and eat shit? Because that's what he was doing. He was just like, and his, it was just like his palms were getting clammy and there was sweat coming down his forehead. And then it turned out it wasn't like a round balloon, like a birthday kid's balloon. It was like a long hot dog shaped balloon. And you could see, you could see like the R and the O and the C on Rockwell like starting to inflate and then deflating because he like couldn't get the balloon to work. I was just failing hard up there. And it starts to dawn on me that if I were in this situation, this wouldn't be happening. I bet my dad went to a coworker and was like, I don't know what to do. I'm supposed to go to my career, kid's career day and, like, and, and talk about this. And his coworker was like, you, use props, use props. Kids love props. And he's like, great idea. And then he just like didn't prepare. He just brought shit and decided like, I'll wing it. Whereas I would have prepared something. I would have made a whole thing of it. I would have practiced it in front of my stuffed animals and then presented it in front of the class. And it starts to dawn on me, I might be better than my dad at something. <laughs> I might actually be pretty good at this thing that clearly, in some situations, has value. <laughs> Even if he doesn't seem to think so, it does. It helps to have notes and to have prepared. Because I'm just watching him fail hard, and I'm starting to take a little bit of pleasure in that and knowing, like, okay, all right, maybe we're on a little bit more of an even playing field than I thought. I don't really remember the rest of the presentation or what the other, you know, kids' parents talked about. And I guarantee you if I called my dad right now and was like, do you remember that time you came to career day? He'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Not because he's like trying to gaslight me, it's just like he has a bad memory. Uh, it's that, or it could be just the fact that this is like a blip 
in a series of a decades-long fight against me in trying to get me to pursue a career in STEM. For him, this is like this never-ending thing where he's just constantly, constantly, constantly trying to get me out of the creative stuff and into the STEM stuff. And for a long time, I couldn't understand why. And then it started to dawn on me a few years ago. It's not because he like didn't want me to be where I am now. It's because he didn't understand it. Because for him, that pragmatic and sensible career in STEM was something that would lead to success. Whereas a life in the arts is chaotic and unknown, and he didn't get it, and he didn't want that for me, even if I was really good at it. So now he and I have sort of hit this impasse, where as an adult, I'm able to do things like call him up a few weeks ago and explain a small career milestone that I hit. And he can say to me, I don't understand this, but I'm proud of you. Thank you. That was Nadia Osman. Nadia Osman is a writer and performer in Los Angeles. She's the creator of Depressed, a web series about depression and anxiety that's been featured in Vulture as a staff pick on Vimeo and more. Nadia has also done a fair amount of sketch writing and performing at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in Los Angeles, and she co-wrote Mad Men the Musical and Walter White and the Amazing Blue Crystal Meth, which featured an Entertainment Weekly, Business Insider, and many more. She's also contributed to Reductress, College Humor, and The Devastator. Nadia holds a BA in History from UC Irvine and is a graduate of the UCLA Writers Program. Before we continue with today's episode, a couple of reminders. We have... Lots and lots of shows coming up indoors and outdoors this summer in places like Atlanta, Winter Harbor, Maine, New York, and more. You can check out storyclutter.org shows for more information. We also have our very first show that's completely en espanol coming up at the Botanico Center in Terrytown, New York on July 13th. If you're a Spanish-speaking science story fan, you won't want to miss this or the lovely reception afterwards. If you would like to learn more about how to tell a science story, check out storyclutter.org education. We offer private workshops both online and in person for groups, and we offer public courses for individuals online as well. Find out more at storyclutter.org education. And finally, if you're a fan of this podcast, and if you, like us, believe in the power these stories have to reveal the humanity behind science, to change our understanding of how science happens and who it belongs to, please consider donating to The Story Clutter at storyclutter.org slash donate. You can also sign up to support us on a monthly basis at patreon.com slash thestoryclutter. Our Patreon supporters can receive an ad-free version of this podcast, as well as occasional bonus episodes and other gifts. We're so grateful to everyone who helps make our work possible. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, 
but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Our second story is from Josh Silberg. It was recorded at an outdoor show in Vancouver at the Beaumont Studios in April this year. The theme that night was comebacks. So I can see it coming from a mile away. It happens 100% of the time my dad sees any kid younger than four years old. He will approach them. He will make silly faces, and he will try to make that baby laugh. And what he doesn't notice is the look of disapproval on the parent's face, and he definitely doesn't notice the look of complete disapproval on my face. So I'm a, I'm a shy 10-year-old, and I care way too much what other people think of me, my hair, my voice that hasn't changed, my voice that hasn't changed yet. Yes, it sounded a little like that. And, uh, you know, I, I played it safe. I was like, if I was in a school of fish, I would be right in the center and just don't stand out, don't offend anybody. It's all good. And no one can embarrass me more than my dad because my dad has no shame. He has no shame whatsoever and he doesn't mind. He feels like it's his role in life to embarrass me. And so we're headed to a football game. We're standing in line in the stadium and uh, I see it. There's a baby. And the baby is on the mother's chest in front of us, and it peeks. And I see a little wisp of hair come around the corner. And my dad reflexively starts making silly faces. And I just think, who brought this weirdo? Like, who's he with? And I pretend like it, I just want to be like a hermit crab and just kind of like go into a shell and just, just, just hang out. We, we make it into our seats, and, and thankfully we see no more babies. Um, for the, most of the first half, my dad cheers his head off, but you know, that's socially acceptable at a sports game. I feel like that's expected. I'm okay with, with him cheering really loud at sports. And at about two minutes before halftime, we get up to get a snack as you do to beat the crowds. Um, and right as we're leaving our seats, we hear an announcement over the PA that says there's a contest, free shoes, somebody in section 209, loudest fan. And we both look. And we're in section 208. And my dad takes off his own shoes. I have no idea why. And in his white mid-high socks, sprints down the stairs away from me towards the giveaway. And who's holding the giveaway is the dopey mascot for the Calgary Stampeders, Ralph the Dog. And I have no idea what to do. 
And so I just stand still for a second and I watch my dad wave his stinky sneakers in this mascot's face, screaming, ah, shoes. <laughs> and I can't take it anymore. And I walk as fast as I can to the, to the tunnel, the concourse. I'm not old enough that I should be in a busy stadium by myself. So I don't go too far. But uh, all I can think about is the poor schmuck inside Ralph that has this five foot seven inch man waving stinky sneakers in his face. And I just imagine that person being utterly uncomfortable. And that makes me uncomfortable. I don't care that my dad is, wants to do a contest. That's cool. He does need new shoes. But he made someone else feel uncomfortable and he embarrassed me. And that's the worst feeling in the world for me. So I watched dozens of people walk by thinking he's got to come back eventually. And he, he does and he's out of breath because he just sprinted around in his socks for some reason. And, and he, he sees the look on my face and he goes like, what's, what's wrong? I mean, I didn't win the shoes, but like... I don't know, like, what, what, what's the matter? And uh, I said, like, why did you take off your own shoes and yell at a mascot's face? I mean, you could see, Ralph has these dopey eyes, but like, he had that look of complete disapproval. Like, who is this guy? And, you know, tears are kind of starting to well up in my eyes, but I think, you know, there's predators around. They can see weakness. Like, who cries at the halftime of a game your team is winning? But my dad doesn't care. He says, you know, it's my job to embarrass you. I had fun. Let's go get a snack. <laughs> and I don't remember who won the football game. I don't remember much after that. And 10 years later, I'm standing on a dock in, the Pacific, in front of the Pacific Ocean. And now I'm a not as shy 20-year-old who at least pretends that he doesn't care what people think. And I'm about to interview for a job I really want, because this is the first job that I'll try to have in, in my field in marine biology. So I'm super stoked. And the interviewers, um, you know, it's going really well. I'm answering questions. And they mention uh, part of the job is once a month you go to the farmer's market. I'm like, farmer's market, great, got this, nailed it. And they're like, and at that farmer's market, you have to dress up uh, like a clam or an octopus. And for some reason, I immediately answer, you're like, yeah, sure, I can convincingly play a clam or an octopus. I'm sure I can, I can, I, I'm, I'm a positive I can do that. And that, I feel like, seals the deal. And they're like, yeah, you, you, get, you get the job. So um, this aquarium is like a semi-dilapidated floating house um, that has a soft spot in my heart because people would walk in and they would say, is this it? And it's just like a room with aquaria in it and microscopes. And, and then I would light up. And I would go, oh, when you look through these microscopes, it's a whole new world. And I will show you, and it's only $5 to get in, and I will show you around personally. And, you know, I feel like this is my hometown team. Like, I'm an ocean nerd. This is where I feel comfortable. I, I got this. I'm expected to cheer loud in this case. And then the third Thursday of the month comes, and uh, farmer's market's at 4 p.m. And I, I try to distract myself all day. And I teach kids about fish. And I try to make sure that little Timmy doesn't touch the urchin too hard in the touch tank. And, uh, and then at around 3, 3.30, we close up. And I have to make the decision. Clam or octopus? Well, I got to try them on first. 
So Sandy the Clam uh, is a foam construction with some pool noodles and some wire. It looks okay. These are homemade costumes. Uh, this one looks like if someone, you know, Halloween's their favorite holiday and they have a glue gun, that's the kind of costume that Sandy the Clam looks like. Um, there's red fabric in between. Um, there's two biologically inaccurate eyeballs for some reason out front. And, uh, and then there's the problem, which is that your face just kind of comes out the middle. And, you know, it's good. You're an unclammy clam. It's kind of breathable. You can see around. But there's a problem because someone might recognize you. And the thought of someone seeing me as a clam, it's close to the university, <laughs> might have friends, that's too much. I can't do that. So I move on to Ollie the octopus. Now, Ollie the octopus looks more like a mascot. Still homemade, but it's like foam, and there's there's eight arms that go out from it with with like wire, and then you put this head on top. It's kind of pinkish, and you look out the the screen at the little smile. Um, it's anonymous, but you can only see about fifteen degrees in front of you, so you have to have a handler. So uh, my coworker has to take you by the by the arm, by the octopus arm, and like walk you around the market. But, you know, I thunk, no, I'm going Ollie. We're going Ollie this time. So they walk me up to the market, and the first people we see is great. The first family we see, I hand out some free admissions to the aquarium. And then up ahead, I see a group of 10-year-olds, and they're kind of roughhousing. And I'm thinking, okay, this, this could go okay. Everyone should have a chance to go to the aquarium. Like, well, who am I to prejudge? And so we walk up to them, and one of the little shits kicks me in the shin and laughs hysterically and runs away. So I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little taken aback. I'm kind of back in that stadium feeling really embarrassed and like, oh gosh, I'm Ralph the dog, aren't I? <laughs> I'm the guy getting the shoes wagged in his face. And, uh, but then I, I try to get over it. No one knows it's me. I mean, an anonymous octopus means that kids will kick you, but it also means that no one knows that I'm the one in the costume. Um, so we go up to a family, and they have, they have two, two kids, the older kid, about five. I say, do you want to shake my arm? Yes, grins really loudly, shakes the arm, doing great. Then I turn to the toddler who's being held by the mother, and I ask, do you want to shake an arm too? And there's silence, and then they turn beet red, and then they burst into tears. <laughs> Just complete, uncontrollable tears, and I, I can't see but I imagine all the eyeballs of everyone at the market that's like, this monster just made this child cry. <laughs> like, who is this person in this costume that made a child cry? What did they do? Like, what did this octopus do? <laughs> that, that did? So, you know, it's only been about an hour at the market, but I'm exhausted. I'm dehydrated. This thing is hot and sweaty, and it smells like the previous people who have been it the previous summers. And I can't wipe any of the sweat off my brow, and I'm just done. And, you know, my, my shin heals, and I get more confident in my job, even more. I, I've seen, I've heard every question, um, and, and I try to answer them honestly. <laughs> and like, no, that's not an eel, that's a black prickleback. And like, no, there's no dolphin in this small room, there's no dolphin show around. Um, yes, everything that I'm sending your child to touch in the touch tank is not going to kill your child. <laughs> like we would put some sort of like venomous creature in there. Um, 
and I, and I feel good. I mean, again, this is, this is where I feel most confident. But then it's the third Thursday of the month again. And uh, this time my decision's made for me because it is hot out. And the thought of dying of heat exhaustion in Ollie the Octopus at a market, that's just too much for me. So Sandy the Clam it is. So I put on the suspenders and I pop my head out the hole of this wide thing. And it's ridiculous. I look very foolish. But I walk myself with no handler up to the market and no one cries and there's no violence and I feel okay. I even make a kid laugh because I look that ridiculous. And I think maybe my dad was onto something here. You know, it's, it's hard because while embarrassment kind of makes other people feel embarrassed around you and while, you know, you know, you kind of share the mood, but smiles also beget other smiles. And, and foolish is fun. And now every time I see a baby, I reflexively make silly faces. Thank you. That was Josh Silberg. Josh Silberg is a scientist, science communicator, Ogden Nash fan, and easily distracted by odd animals. For his day job, he helps researchers at the Hakai Institute share their coastal science. He's also our Vancouver producer. The Story Collider is so grateful to Nadia and Josh for sharing their stories with us. The Story Collider is also very grateful for the support of Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science. This podcast is produced by Aaron Barker, executive director and co-founder of The Story Collider, along with me, managing producer Misha Gajewski, and senior podcast editor Jen Chen. Special thanks goes out to Story Collider's board and the rest of our staff, including managing director Anne-Marie Lonsdale, science advisory fellow Edith Gonzalez, operations manager Lindsay Cooper, and marketing manager Nikisha Roberts-Washington, without whom none of this would be possible. The stories featured in today's episode were from shows produced by Audrey Kearns and Joseph Scrimshaw and Charlie Cook and Josh Silberg, respectively. Our theme music is by Ghost. And until next week, thanks for listening. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.